0: Caffrey's going to get it, and he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. There's Birdie, looking,
1: firing it in. Jaw. Caught, Ayu! touchdown. And the ball came out. ball is loose. Who's got it? Mix, 49ers mix. recover, and there it is. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl.
0: Picks Show. Four days to the Super Bowl, 96 hours from now. All of the various pregame shows will be underway for a 3.30 kickoff. Let's go to the man that uh, runs MixPicks.com. Steve Mickelson, 2Ks in Mix, 2Ks in Picks, that's MixPicks.com. Hello, Steve from Las Vegas.
1: Good morning.
0: You are there at Ground Zero, where uh, where the Super Bowl will take place. And Las Vegas is the epicenter of news, and almost none of it right now has to do with the Super Bowl. Our phone number is 888-989-9811. You can call us. The phones are working. Email us, rad, at radradio.com. Uh, we've been, obviously, building up towards the Super Bowl, knowing that uh, we, we try to check in on the Sacramento Kings because of the geographical locations of the general area as much as we can for basketball. And we got the the Golden Knights for hockey, and and those are the two sports that will dominate a lot going on as we head into March and April. And, yeah, there will still be the draft and baseball start. So it's it's in the aftermath that we go to Vegas for our first real hockey uh, uh, story, Steve, where uh, the Edmonton Oilers were trying to tie the 92-93 Penguins for the longest NHL win streak. And the uh, Vegas Golden Knights brought an end to the 16-game winning streak with a three to one victory last night, the Oilers still have the NHL's best record and uh, of twenty six seven zero since Chris Knobloch's first game on November thirteenth. Now, if I if I remember correctly, Steve, you have been to a Golden Knights game. Uh, if, if if I'm wrong, you can correct me on that. The, the The buzz on this is that it is one of those electric stadiums, electric arenas. In this case, there are certain places that teams play in baseball, football, and basketball, where you know the home team gets an advantage from the energy. And that was the buzz yesterday all day. Look, it's not like the Knights aren't an, an amazing team. But there's something about that arena, I'm told. Uh, Aiden Hill, he stopped 30 shots. He said it was like a playoff game tonight. Has that been your experience, Steve, that the, 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 the home field rink, the home rink ice is is palpable at golden Knights games.
1: It it is fantastic. I've been to a few golden Knights games and the electricity in the arena is incredible. I mean, people are pretty much, you know, standing cheering throughout the course of the game. And, And the thing that I like most about it is there are fans from other teams there, but there isn't that advantage you know my concern with the A's playing and the Raiders mm-hmm. playing here is there's so many people from out of town who take over the arena so you lose your home field advantage. That's not the case with the Golden Knights. They pack it with Knights fans. Uh they're loud, they're having a great time and it is a wonderful experience. Now, the the Golden Knights they're
0: they're only a game back of the Canucks. Uh and of course, I mean Edmonton, uh, what a what a run. So, what are you seeing in in, in right now in the NHL?
1: Well, the Oilers started the season really poorly. They went on this run, you know, 16-0. Part of the problems they've had in the past has been their defense, their goaltending. But if you look at this streak, uh, I think they held their opponents to like two goals or less throughout the course of this winning streak. The Knights did put up three yesterday. It was tied 1-1 at the end of two. The Golden Knights are a really good team. They're the the defending Stanley Cup champions. The start of the season hot, but they have their problems on the road. That's been their issue this year. They have that home field ice advantage. <laughs> they just got to get better on the road, but they've had a lot of injuries. You know, Aiden Hill, who's their number one goaltender, he's had some injuries this year. Knights just have to get healthy. If they get healthy, I, I think they arguably could be the best team in the NHL. By the way,
0: Steve, a... Uh, uh, uh... More of a lifestyle sports fan question for you. How anal are you when people do what you and I both did uh, out of like a force of habit or the sport that's dominating your mind the most? And instead of home ice or home rink, you say home field. Instead of home court, you say home field. I mean, for me, it's like, okay, I think the guy knows what he's talking about. But, man, there are people who get really pissed when they hear people go, home
1: field really in a hockey game, dude? You know, the thing that I would say to that is people have to understand that, you know, we're answering questions on the fly. You you can't sit down. You can't think about it. You're live. And I I mispronounce things all the time. It it just happens. You know what you want to say. You try to say it. You catch it afterwards, hopefully. But, you know, when you're put on a spot like that in front of a lot of listeners Believe me, I try to do my best, but for me to sit and say I'd never make a mistake, that's just not going to happen. And believe me, I know it's home ice, not home field.
0: Um, it's uh, and, and, yeah, I think we've alluded to this before. Steve and I don't really prepare other than uh, living the lifestyle the best we can. This is why sometimes the, about the amount of preparation we'll do is one of us might send a note to the other like, I didn't watch anything, or I didn't able I wasn't able to check this out. And then the other guy goes, okay, then I can carry it, or we'll check highlights, or no. But that's that's our what we can prep. It doesn't have anything to do with the emails that you come in. We're not making excuses. We're just telling you we don't like to be overly prepared. We like to just be, like we've said from the beginning, guys sitting around talking sports, which brings me to a Vegas item number two, since you're there at Ground Zero. What's with Joe Buck? Joe Buck. Uh, who is not calling the Super Bowl? I, now, look, I didn't hear it, okay? And I know Buck has a weird, sarcastic, dry sense of humor, but he was asked on a podcast about the Super Bowl. Said he has it's going to be a mess. Said he has no desire to be there. Brought up uh, the the logistics, the congestion. Says he doesn't look like, doesn't want to go out all night. Anyways, and you combine that with Vegas, and he said the big quote that got everybody's attention: "There's going to be some story, something that happens." Because it's Vegas and it won't stay in Vegas. It's going to be a big something that happens. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I just think it's going to be a mess in my mind. I mean, it sounds very old man-ish, but I also kind of turned my head and thought, wait a minute, Joe Buck. And he's a very polarizing figure. I get it. I can't figure out if I love or hate Joe Buck still after, what, 20 plus years. He, what, you, can't, you can't. What is his problem with what is undeniably the sports capital of America or will be soon? Or do you get the impression he was trying to be like dry and controversial?
1: No, I don't fully understand it because every place they go, L.A., New Orleans, wherever, one, it's going to be very busy. Two, it's going to be congested. It's about the nightlife, the partying, the having a great time because that's what the Super Bowl is. And no one does not like Las Vegas. You know, the advantage of Las Vegas, they have more hotel rooms per square mile in this city than any other place anywhere they have the best food you can argue in almost the entire nation if not the entire nation they are they have the greatest shows that are out there now granted you might want broadway etc but on the whole the shows vegas has everything to offer and the part that struck me on that whole thing is i live in las vegas but you know what there's more to las vegas than the strip everyone thinks las vegas is that half a mile on each side of the strip all the way through the strip and nothing else matters. Vegas is a normal city. I, I mean, it has everything. And to rip the city because you don't like the what goes on in the strip and, and the fact that it brings in millions of tourists all year long and there's congestion, look at the positives. So for me, I took offense to it. Uh, yeah, I, I, and the more I think about it, the
0: more I'm, I'm trying to figure out if, it, if it's prudish – or if it's or if it's um, like a privileged thing, given what Buck's career has been like, here's what I mean. Like, is it prudish because of what happens in Vegas? And again, we're really talking about the, the strip. I mean, I have really good friends raising families in Las Vegas, nowhere near the strip, um, but it's still Las Vegas. And, but in the strip, right, that people that don't live there, it's always congestion. I mean, on a Tuesday in April, it's, it's congested. And this is the other thing I was wondering about in terms of, like, privilege. Buck, yeah, he did baseball for a long time, but this still applies to baseball. Football, overwhelmingly, the stadiums are never near the major cities. When they, If they were to hold a Super Bowl in New York, which they never would unless they build domes or whatever, it wouldn't be in New York. It's nowhere near Manhattan, which is always congested. All of these cities, right, you know, the, the, Texas doesn't play in Dallas. They play in Arlington. And on and on it goes. And I don't know if that's also part of it. It's like, oh, my God, it's just down there, and it's Vegas, and it's going to be congested. But when I saw that, I did wonder, and I, 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 uh, I texted another friend who lives in the Vegas area, and he said, I mean, I can't repeat what he said, but it was basically blank Joe Buck. I don't want to hear it. And I just, I found it an, an odd take on his part, certainly an unnecessary one.
1: Yeah, I, again, I don't fully understand it. You know, living in Vegas, the, the great part that, you know, nobody really thinks about, I live in a normal city, but when friends come, we go to the strip. So it's like I'm visiting Vegas mm-hmm. that everyone knows as well. So it's kind of like a vacation to me when I get to go to the strip because I don't go when I'm not when I don't have friends in town. That's not where I live. And it's not what I do on a day-to-day basis.
0: Let me ask you this. We we went back and forth, and I don't know where I land still. I, I understand your point about, about when when players criticize the refs and how they wind up getting fined. And I'm like, look, why can't they call him out? And you had a good point. The NFL—they're a behemoth, and they—they—they're constantly finding players for what they say, what they criticize. How come Joe Buck can 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 just can just crap all over where the city that the that the the NFL is clearly partnering with? I I wouldn't think that Roger Goodell should be overly happy about this, and maybe at least a phone call.
1: I would think there's got to be a phone call. I I wouldn't think that Goodell's happy about this at all. I. To me, it kind of gives a little bit of a black eye to the NFL. It might be what Joe Buck believes, and I'm all for the freedom of the speech. But, you know, he just sounds bitter about it coming to Las Vegas. Me, personally, I'm hoping they play in Vegas every four to five years because, again, I don't think any city in the country can match the show, the production, the rooms, the food, the entertainment, and everything Las Vegas can offer I don't believe any city can do it better than what Las Vegas does. We'll
0: stay in Vegas for baseball, too, because it sure looked like, I mean, there were procedural things that have to happen to get the Oakland A's to move to Las Vegas. They wouldn't get their stadium until 2028, but they can move and are planning on moving. We're not sure where yet. After the 2024 season, when their lease is up at the sewer that is the Oakland Coliseum, there was a rumor for a while they might play in Utah for a little bit, other places down in the Vegas area. Now, on the, there's a political angle to this that is blech, do it somewhere else. But the teachers union has filed a second legal effort seeking to block Nevada from spending taxpayer funds. And that goes down to a variety of money issues. The really th- the thing that caught my eye was the, the mayor, Carolyn Goodman, uh, who's the, the wife of former uh, uh, Mayor Oscar Goodman. Right. Um, yes. Who who came out yesterday and said, yeah, you should go back and talk to Oakland again she said that the plan doesn't make sense and there may be like a money thing behind this that you can educate me on as well steve because the a's are not playing in where where she wanted them to she wanted them to go to north las vegas as i understand it that was her site who knows maybe she had a vested interest in it she said on a podcast the a's really want to stay in oakland people from oakland want to keep the team in oakland it's just the government up there ownership should go back to the drawing board and find out a way to stay in Oakland. She said, oh, I, we, sh- we should have a major league team, but it's just not Oakland. What What is she doing?
1: Uh, that part I don't fully understand. Breaking it down into segments. First of all, the strip is in Paradise, Nevada, not Las Vegas, Nevada. So Good I don't point. believe she is the mayor ah. of Paradise, Nevada. Ah. And as you said, she wants <laughs> the site in northern Las Vegas or near downtown, I believe was the preferred site, which then falls under her part which falls into tax dollars and everything else so i think at the end of the day you always have to follow (laughs) the money and she's a little upset that they're not building it where she wanted it built now as a resident here i am a little concerned because they're getting only nine acres at the tropicana site to build this ballpark I believe the ballparks about 30,000 maybe up to 35,000 fans. I'm not sure that it's going to fit fully on where they're looking at. Obviously there's a lot smarter people looking into this than me, but I have concerns about the size of the stadium. I don't think you need a 65,000 seat stadium, but I would like to see closer to that 38 to 40,000 than 30 to 35. And again, it's on the Strip, just like Allegiant Stadium, no parking. It's all through the casinos, but it's an awful small plot of land that they're trying to build a stadium on.
0: Well, you you had me uh, at the local color of uh, reminding me where the zones actually draw the city uh, boundaries. I, I've been using, and I'm not the only one, uh, but a lot of us uh, go back to Don Olmeyer's famous quote uh, that the answers to all of life's questions is money, and that pretty much takes care of, uh, of, of why uh, Mayor Goodman, in my mind anyways, Uh, is saying what she said. Now, Jeff just emailed us, rad at radradio.com. There are a couple of things that aren't quite accurate in here, uh, but it might be a funny explanation. He says, I'm guessing that Joe Buck's wife said, you're not going to Vegas. I mean, he is arguably one of the two best play-calling teams in the NFL. He doesn't have to go to parties and clubs, and I guarantee Fox Sports wanted him there for the pregame show. Well, he doesn't work for Fox. He works for ESPN. Uh, He does Monday Night Football. Whether or not I, I know, obviously, ESPN will be on site. Uh, whether or not uh, they're going to have, they would have Buck and Aikman there, and whether or not Joe Buck has a terrible marriage, I don't have uh, that in kind of inside information. Um, Jeremy wrote in and said, "Me and my buddies were having a conversation about where the A's were going to play until their stadium was built in Vegas. So this is that interim 2025 until 2028. Some people were talking about putting them in Greater Nevada Field, which is the Reno Aces stadium, but why not keep them in the Sacramento area?" And put them in the RiverCat Stadium. So yeah, I, and I haven't. Heard, I've heard all kinds of weird things about where the A's wind up after the 2024 season. I mentioned there's a park in Utah they were talking about. I haven't heard anything about using uh, Rayleigh Field uh, in in Sacramento. Okay, put them in Reno. That seems a little strange because the Aces still need to use it. I, I don't. Have you heard anything where they might? Because I know there were uh, rumblings about playing in Vegas in 2025.
1: Well, the officials for the A's did meet with Sacramento. I want to say two to three weeks ago to discuss that ballpark. They also shortly after that, they met with Salt Lake city uh, and discussed that ballpark as well. (laughs) Where Reno comes into it is, and I kind of like this idea, is that building more of the A's loyalty, you know, you have a lot of upset Mm. fans in Oakland, but moving to Las Vegas, trying to get that whole Nevada backing by playing a year or two in Reno to help with that. I believe in the Reno area, you're either a giants or an A's fan. I don't know how much it's really going to swing to be in the A's. I don't think anybody who's a giants fans, you know, you still probably will root for the A's, but I don't think you're going to move to being just an A's fan. Uh, My other question is, is where do the aviators here in Las Vegas play? That's the triple a team. For Vegas, I mean, they could always move the Aviators out, play in Las Vegas in their stadium, and have the Triple A team play elsewhere. Because I have to believe that Sacramento, Reno, Salt Lake City, and the Las Vegas Aviator stadiums all hold in that eight to nine thousand, you know, seat arenas. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Um, but uh, you, you know, my understanding is Oakland's pretty much said, "Look, we're not extending your lease. You're out of here." Well, why would how? What would the justst
0: logist- let's take the Reno example. How would the A's play where the aces play? because the aces have to play their game? They're gonna move the aces just go away, go bye bye.
1: Yes, I believe that's <laughs> probably what it would be unless they okay. figured out how to work their their uh schedules around to when the a's are there, the aces are on the road, and you know when the a's are on the road, the aces can play there and work that. I just think there's too much to that because. Modern League Baseball has different travel days. They also go out on, you know, like they'll have like 10, 15 game home stretches or road because it's more about playing that area. So I see it hard to believe that they would really change the AAA schedule to fit the A's in that ballpark.
0: Uh, A couple of emails, RAD at radradio.com going backwards. Uh, Bill wrote in. Thank you for the correction. He says, Rob, the Super Bowl was in New Jersey at MetLife Field not too long ago. Broncos, Seahawks. Great. And that goes back to the Joe Buck thing. You're absolutely right. Thanks for the uh, correction, Bill. And Joe Buck was only near Manhattan if he wanted to be. And I guess the congestion didn't bother him there. Matthew wrote in and said, forgive me if I misheard, which I think he did. Did Steve say that Allegiant Stadium was on the strip? Isn't the stadium located across from the freeway? From the mandalay bay i know the answer to the second one because i saw beyonce there
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's I, I mean it's on the west side of the 15 and the 15 is just west of the strip so technically speaking no it does not touch las vegas boulevard but you know t-mobile arena doesn't touch las vegas boulevard either and they say that that's on the strip it's right in that vicinity of of the strip people walk across the bridge yeah you know there to go to the stadium all the time
0: as, as a as a non-local but a regular visitor to be able to stay at the mandalay bay which is at the end of what we call what we out of towners call the strip i mean from from mandalay bay all the way up to what now resorts world win that type area uh, the, from from end to end that's kind of the strip to most of us that aren't right at the heart i don't know what the, the official definition is but if i can stay at Mandalay Bay and my wife and I can walk to Allegiant Stadium like we did, I'm on the end of the strip.
1: Co- correct. And, okay. and, yes, it doesn't touch it. But, <laughs> you know, to me, that's still considered the strip. Anything that's within, you know, like a mile, half mile of Las Vegas Boulevard to me is the strip.
0: So, as I said, four days away uh, from the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, which is why we kind of started with Vegas-heavy stuff. Yes, we know we've got a Super Bowl to talk about tomorrow and Friday. Pending news so big we can't ignore it is primarily going to be the buildup, uh, both in fun ways uh, and looking at the game, breaking it down, which teams have the advantage. Uh, Steve's got a, got a great uh, idea about talking about the way people watch fan superstitions, foods, parties, things like that. Uh, since we were talking last about the A's, we did have some fairly groundbreaking offseason news for baseball. Jose Altuve is going to be an Astro for life unless something really, really happens. Uh, he's got a five year extension to finish his career at the Astros. He'll be 39. His deal's worth $125 million. He's going to be in the last year of his contract. Uh, when he finishes, he will become the first second baseman in baseball history to reach $300 million in career earnings. So he will pass who, Steve, as the second baseman who had the highest career earnings before him? Hmm. I, I had to research it. Man,
1: I don't know. Chase Utley? That's what I thought it should be.
0: He's going to be third behind Altuve first and Robinson Cano from that 10-year, $24 a year contract he signed.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I keep rolling into Cano because the last part of his career is playing first base and DH. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, I I kind of forget about Cano, but yeah, Cano made a lot of money and he signed that huge contract, which didn't work out either.
0: Uh, Altuve, playing second base helps. If you want to play until you're 40 and he's going to be uh, pretty, pretty close. Sure. Seems like a first ballot hall of famer to me.
1: I think he is. He he's been phenomenal. He's got the offensive numbers, you know, he's played a pretty good defensive second base when he's not like a perennial gold Glover, uh, but he's just had a solid career. You know, he hasn't been hurt too much by injuries and he really hasn't had, you know, too many down years that, Ooh, he's not very good that year. He's usually good every year. I'm glad the Astros sign him. I like to see it when players play their entire career with one team, you know, which is where I'm glad that Clayton Kershaw re signed with the Dodgers and didn't go to the Rangers, like everyone said that he may be doing. Uh, So I I think it's a good signing for Houston, and I'm happy for. Altuve.
0: That's so funny. As, since we were talking about pulling the curtain back and how we do this show, you know, one of the things you do, is, or one of the things I do is, as Steve's talking, I start to formulate what am I going to do next? Am I going to move on? Do I have a comment I want to make? And right before you were talking about Altuve staying with the Astros, my mind was going to go to I'm going to channel my inner old man, my sentimentality here, because you don't see this anymore uh, nearly as much. And for whatever reason, I don't care about the Astros, I don't care about Altuve, whatever, but I do like players staying with one team. There's something nostalgic about about seeing, I don't know if it's the loyalty issue on one end or the other, or just attaching a player to a team. But there is something that may, when I saw the L2V signing yesterday again, with no connection to anything, I thought, "Good, that's cool. I, I like." There's something that makes
1: me comfortable about that. And I think my part of it is, it. it believe me, I always want the players to get paid. I, I do, but I think to me that I've always viewed it as a bit of loyalty to the fans, to that team, etc look I might be able to go get 28 or 30 million a year elsewhere but you know what 25 million I'm gonna make over 300 million in my career I've done well financially and I like that little bit of loyalty to the fans the team etc that you don't have to max out on everything every single time so that that's where my part of why I like that.
0: Uh, one player that's going to make a lot of money. We don't know if he'll stay with the team for uh, for the uh, the length of the longest and richest contract in club history. It's a, bi- a guy named uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, for the Kansas City Royals. Big league debut in 2022, 20 homers, 30 stolen bases. Sophomore season, he was seventh in MVP voting. The Royals signed the 23-year-old shortstop to a mammoth 11-year deal worth more than 288 million guaranteed the royals have been all over the place this century this decade S- uh, world series perennial horrible team they're as bad as the a's oh they've got potential and now they're trying to make this public play of we're, we're building around a few players and why not bobby witt jr sort of thing
1: i like it i mean bobby witt jr is the corner storm for this franchise you know he was a number one draft pick for him he was highly touted when he came out Uh, They've just been waiting for him to develop. He's going to be a really good ball player. He already is a really good ball player, you know, and I think he's going to have a great career. It's, you know, I believe long-term that he's going to put up some really big numbers and continue to produce that. Who knows if he plays 15 years, you might be talking about him as a possible hall of famer. I do believe he is that talented and good for Kansas city, lock him up, give him his money. And uh, hopefully you can show some other players that, look, we are loyal. We are trying to win. It's not just about, you know, having the lowest payroll in baseball, which sorry to take a shot at your A's, (laughs) but they're even selling off what low A ball players. If anybody's interested, just send me 500 bucks in cash and you can have them. You know, so it's showing that the Royals are actually trying to win.
0: Uh, I love doing pop quizzes, Steve, especially when I have the answers. Do you know what jersey number Bobby Witt Jr. wears?
1: Uh, I don't offhand some reason 17's coming to Mm -hmm. mind, but... Pretty good. Uh, It's seven. It's his lucky number. I,
0: I love players and their superstition, so he wears lucky number seven. His deal has a signing bonus of $7,777,777 paid in seven
1: installments. That's a big slot machine hit right there.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's ball night, Steve. A couple of games that I looked in on uh, because they're similar. Uh, We got uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors and the the Sixers, two teams that are struggling to stay relevant. The Sixers have to deal with Embiid being out for at least four weeks. I think it's going to be a lot more. Warriors are trying to find their identity, trying to not lose when Curry... Uh, bag 60 they're on the road the Warriors are Uh, what do you see with the Warriors and the Sixers
1: yeah right now the Sixers are really struggling they've lost two straight the Warriors are five point favorites here but keep in mind that Draymond Green is questionable for this game but the Sixers on the other hand Embiid is out Melton has been out and Maxie is listed as either questionable or doubtful. So it's possible he won't be there either, which means you got to look at a big dose of Tobias Harris to try to carry this team and Kelly Oubre. The Sixers right now, just injuries are really playing a factor. Warriors need a win. This is their chance. Get a road win here. You know, they've played better this year on the road. They're 13 and eight on the road, where last year they were just atrocious on the road. So it'll be interesting to see, but. You gotta lean towards the Warriors just because they're healthier.
0: I got a, a producer around here, a big Kyle, who's a lifelong Sacramentan and a Sacramento Kings fan, who's made it very clear to me that he will be quite angry tomorrow uh, if the uh, the Kings not only like, I mean, they they not only need to win against the worst team in the NBA, but they need to not make it close in any way. I mean, the we were talking yesterday, uh, the 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 Pistons are the elixir. Of the NBA and the Kings had a good road trip, uh, but they get to come home and they they should they should call the number tonight against Detroit
1: yeah this game opened 11 and a half in the overnight it's up to 13 now you know so this is the get well game for the kings they really need the win here but keep in mind against the spread the kings are 10 and 12 against the spread at home so they're slightly below 500 and the pistons as bad as they are with only six wins on the entire season are 11 and 11 as a dog you know, on the road. So they're 500 against the spread, but Cade Cunningham is listed as questionable. The Pistons really need him to play. He is their best player on the team. So that's one of those, you know, I think you need to wait, find out if he's going to play, and then make your decision at that time. 13, though, is such a big number, especially when you look at the Kings as 10 and 12 <laughs> at home against the spread.
0: To the NFL and the Super Bowl hype after this Mix, picks.
1: The Mix Pick Sports Show. Let's
0: go! Depending on what you're into sports-wise, if you feel like uh, the sports just dies after Super Bowl Sunday, breaking news, Tiger Woods has announced he will play uh, for the first time this season. Next week, uh, February 15th through the 18th, he'll be a player host at uh, the Genesis. Again, that won't help you if you hate uh, hate golf, but uh, the fact that uh, Tiger Woods plays usually gets some eyebrows. Going As we head towards the Super Bowl on Sunday, we didn't talk about this yesterday, and I can't help myself, Steve, because I am such a butt on this subject. Uh, the the NFL's expansion continuing into bigger and broader places. They're already playing in London. They're playing in Germany. And now this year, uh, they're going to Brazil. They announced a couple days ago the Eagles are going to play the NFL's first regular season game there, and they're going to do it on Friday, the 6th of September. Now, look, as a fan of the NFL, I love that we're going to get a Friday game after the Thursday night season opener. We don't know the opponent yet. Uh, we know the, the Eagles will be the the home team, so we know who their opponents could be. I would think if the NFL is smart, they might pick the Cowboys uh, as their opponent because that's a draw for, for us and for international audiences. They could go with the Giants, the Commanders, the Browns, the Falcons, the Panthers, of course, the Jaguars. They're always on the list to go overseas. Packers and Steelers, whatever. I just, I, I get it. It's business. They're trying to bring in international fans. I don't know why. Maybe it's a xenophobia thing. I'm not usually xenophobic. I just don't like the NFL outside of America. Eh
1: i hear what you're saying but it is all about the business it's also on a friday because now they can bring it as a prime time game and you know charge those rates i'm curious what network is going to carry it or if they're going to go to something like the peacock network in order to make no. everyone subscribe again or amazon prime because that seems to be the direction the nfl is going with these type of games I I like it as a fan. We get another game shoot for me. The NFL could play every day. I'd be happy. Uh, I believe they're playing on the Friday though, because of the travel, because it is in Brazil, no one's going to have the second week off. So it gives them a little bit of time, you know, before their second week game to adjust and get back to, you know, being in this country and, and get ready for that game. So I think that's where they get a couple of extra days on the Friday as well. I'm not a fan of the international games. I'm not a fan of Thursday night games. I love watching them all. I just, you know, to me, if you're really that concerned about player safety, why are they playing on Sunday? Everything I've ever read and heard from players is Monday. They have a hard time getting out of bed. Tuesday, they do a walkthrough. And if you're playing Thursday, it's like, okay, Wednesday's our travel day. And Thursday, we got to play again. It just, you know, for the player safety, I've always had concern about the Thursday night games following the Sunday night games. And I'm just not a fan of the internationals at all.
0: And, and I'm trying to figure out the logistics. we got plenty of time to figure this out, but Brazil is five hours ahead of us. So to figure out how to make it a Friday night primetime game for America, they'd have to be playing in the middle of the night, for, especially for the East Coast. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how they play it because it's not like the Friday after the first Thursday of uh, September is a, is a holiday for Americans. So I'm not sure how they're going to match that up.
1: And I really don't know what the weather is in Brazil. I know oh. it's on the other side of the equator, which means that our winter's their summer. You're talking September. So you're talking what? Uh, this is like early April type of thing. I don't know how cold it gets, how rainy it is. You know, I don't even know if it's going to be in a dome or an outdoor stadium. You know, a lot of things that I haven't really looked into at this point, but Man, I just, I'm not a fan of these international games. I get it. It's business. But I think that's also the problem is I like to think of it as a sport and I tend to forget the entertainment factor because I love watching football. Football is king. And I try to overlook that it is a big business.
0: So uh, they do say that it's going to be played at Corinthians Arena, which played host to the uh, World Cup matches in 2014. It doesn't look like in a quick bit of research. This is very quick. It's a it's a dome, uh, but it does also say uh, weather in September in Brazil is 80 to 85, so you wouldn't need uh, a dome. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. But you brought up uh, streaming and pay-per-view uh, or making people pay. We don't have a lot of details on this, but the sports media world is losing its mind over this mega streaming service of three companies, Disney's ESPN, Fox Sports, and Warner Brothers bringing Discovery, TNT, TBS. They Each company is going to own a third of the service, all streaming, all four major sports, NFL, NBA, baseball, NHL, and then NASCAR, UFC, PGA Tour Golf, Grand Slam Tennis, FIFA World Cup, several college sports. We don't know how it all breaks out, but one bundle service that we will get almost everything. They say you won't get everything, almost everything that's going on, this sports mega streaming thing I think as early as next fall if I've if I've heard correctly and this is part of moving more and more towards streaming you're you and I are of the same generation we've had to learn to adapt to the streaming thing I don't mind it I the YouTube direct TV thing I like direct TV better it was a little less cumbersome but I I adapted quickly Um, you don't I can't tell you don't seem necessarily to be a fan of hey if you want to see this game you have to subscribe to Peacock I'm not sure but it looks like yes that's where we're headed
1: Oh, it absolutely is where we're headed because they can send the games out to, you know, all over the world type of thing, as opposed to being limited to just within your cable company. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm adjusting. But my complaint right now is, is currently I have Hulu and Fubo TV because I need Fubo to get the NBA network, the Major League Baseball network, you know, the different sports networks. And I just like Hulu better for other shows, et cetera uh and, and so it's like you know hey we're supposed to save money but right now i'm having to subscribe to multiple streaming services in order to get it so on the whole i don't think i'm saving a whole lot of money from having direct tv or cox cable or any of those other ones i just have to do it in multiples
0: this this is what i've experienced not only within the sports world but outside of the sports world as well the the bitch about it is every streaming service has something you want and you wind up buying apple tv for a show because it's the only place i can get it and you wind up by my wife and i uh, i mean this turned out well with us doing this show but we, we we've been espn plus members for years for the ufc i never used it for anything else i do now to help us research this show uh, but that was the only reason ever and it's the same thing with yes okay we were with hulu for this show and then they added this and then these things go away I, I, they sold it originally as you were going to save money. I I haven't done the math. I I think we're spending a lot more overall to be able to watch everything. Thank God we're in a position where we can. But but that I, at some point the consumer is going to go. Um, I can't I can't do this. Or maybe they won't because it's sports and they'll they'll just not feed their kids.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the problem with me was when it comes to the sports. Look, I got to have this. This is part of what I do and this is my job. You know. So you subscribe to it, but. You know, when I originally left DirecTV, I thought it was, oh, great, we're going to save, you know, 50, 60, 70%. But then when you find out, oh, I got to buy this one and I got to buy that one and I got to have this. And then we got Netflix and we got Amazon Prime. And, you know, by the time you buy them all, I'm not sure we're saving any money at all.
0: So before we actually get to the Chiefs and the Niners and teams that are in the Super Bowl uh, this weekend, uh, a team that says they're going to go to multiple Super Bowls, uh, but the fact that GM came out yesterday and agreed with the new head coach. Yes, we're talking multiple titles uh, here in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, That's what Jim Harbaugh said uh, at his press conference, and he's got his team basically together. Everybody knew, this was the worst-kept secret in all of sports, uh, that he was going to bring his defensive coordinator from Michigan with him. That's official. Jesse Minter's coming in. And he's also, the Chargers, they're still, by my information, still finalizing the deal, but unless they pull a a Raiders-Kingsbury thing, it's done, uh, to get Greg Roman, uh, as the offensive coordinator. Now, this this is a couple things. This is very Harbaugh uh, on both sides. Very Harbaugh family. Loyalty. Borderline nepotism. Uh, Greg Roman goes back to Harbaugh at Stanford. Eventually, they're together in San Francisco, where they were, they were a tremendous rushing team. They were top five in the NFL in rushing yards, like three or four straight seasons. I have nothing as a Niner fan, but great memories of Roman and Harbaugh working together. And it seems like, I, you know, And obviously, he brings a defensive coordinator with him. It seems like Harbaugh continues to surround himself with people he has had a lot of success with and that a lot of people, I think, in the AFC West with Harbaugh, Herbert, and a, and a coaching staff that he is very acclimated with might want to be taken seriously. I know that he's got issues with the cap and the defensive side of the ball. I'm not saying the Chargers are going to the Super Bowl next season, but they are building up themselves to be a force very soon.
1: And I hope they are. I mean, I like to hear my head coach and my general manager believe we're going to win multiple Super Bowls. The other part that uh, you hadn't fully finished on is he's bringing over Michigan's strength coach. I believe he's bringing over their linebackers coach or no, their defensive line coach. So he is a very loyal guy. He wants to work with the people that he, he trusts and he has faith in, which is great. I'm just a little disappointed from the Michigan side watching like all these guys from Michigan leaving and going to the NFL. But Harbaugh is putting himself on the line here. He's bringing in all of his guys. They better be able to produce or he's not going to look good there either.
0: Well, and now that takes us back to something that we were talking about too, about the, 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 the spot this puts Sharon Moore in because he he's, he's, he was there. He's part of the program. They gave him the keys to the national championship crowd or the national, national championship machine. And boosters, they don't care. They don't want answers. They want championships. And he is now in a position where the, basically the coaching part of this has been decimated, but he still has to perform as the first-year head coach.
1: Absolutely. And he has to perform as that first year head coach of a national championship team. It's not like you're walking Mm -hmm. in and we went two and 10 last year and I got three years to rebuild it. He loses to Ohio state this year and they're already going to be calling, Oh, maybe he shouldn't be the head coach. Maybe Mm -hmm. we got to start looking. So he's got to perform at the highest level immediately in order to save his job. And and I hope that Harbaugh and him talked about it. So it's not kind of a, uh, you know, hey, look, I'm taking these guys and you can do nothing about it. I'm hoping they kind of discussed it and they were both aware of what was going to take place because I got to believe that Harbaugh still has loyalty to Michigan, even though he left him. It is his alma mater. He coached there nine years. He won the, you know, national championship. I I would hope he just isn't, you know, telling Michigan, hey, jumping a lake
0: uh, one of the fun uh, 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 hype stories about the Super Bowl that's been out there we had it out there a few weeks ago is the fate of Andy Reid uh, I mentioned yesterday there was this big expose on ESPN that he's not he's not retiring uh, people closest to him say he's not going anywhere even though he has this bucket list and the source was Patrick Mahomes that's it no other people so they went right to Andy Reid yesterday and uh, we'll tell you what he said after this
1: Mix picks the MixPix Pick Sports Show
0: I love self-awareness and self-correction, even if it does waste two minutes of my time doing research. So uh, right when we went to break, Greg wrote in about, uh, we were talking about Greg Greg Roman uh, signing with uh, Harbaugh, and he did sign, by the way, uh, Harbaugh on the Chargers. And I was mentioning that was a great team uh, when they were coaching the Niners together. And uh, this Greg wrote in and said, take it from a Raiders fan, Roman's dive right, dive left, short pass behind the first down line gets old real quick. And I'm like, what? Greg Roman and the Raiders, and I'm searching and I'm Googling, and right before we come back, the same Greg writes in and said, disregard, I was thinking of Greg Olson. So thank you, uh, Greg, for uh, uh, clarifying the Greg uh, Olson and Roman uh, clarification there. Uh, Another coach, big coach we've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about the Andy Reid thing. Uh, Is he going to walk away after Sunday? And does it matter if the Chiefs win? If the Chiefs win, I know, Steve, you said yesterday they do it. Back-to-back Super Bowls you are 66, 25 years in the league. What a way to go out, pull the L way. Uh, if he loses, eh, he's still got a team built. Maybe he sticks around. Then they have this big expose I talked about on ESPN, almost like somebody's pushing back. So uh, they the, the latest thing, with nothing to talk about except a game in 96 hours, uh, they went to uh, Chiefs chairman Clark Hunt, who said he's got no indication that Andy's going anywhere, that he's planning on – Retiring, uh, Andy Reid himself was asked. He said his parents told me that you he will learn. You know, you'll know when it's time. And all he said was, "Today's not the day." Well, that's a non-quote quote to me. All that means is yesterday wasn't the day for uh, for Andy Reid to walk away. I, I, you can read anything into that. Back to uh, Clark Hunt, he says they're not making any plans because there's no indication. And the, of course, the juicy rumor here uh, that we were focused on the whole time was. Would Bill Belichick walk into the job if he walked away? We, we're we're nowhere closer. which just palace intrigue at this point, and and I don't even know if we're gonna know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. But that's the latest on the Andy Reid watch.
1: Yeah, and you know the thing about it is is does anyone really expect anyone to actually come out? Yeah, you know what? I am gonna retire. This is my last game. I I, I know we all talk about it, and it's meeting and it's a great conversation piece. But I'll be honest with you, and this is bad on me. I get kind of tired of the questions that get asked during the Super Bowl. You know, Andy Reid's not going to come out and say he's retiring. You know, I read another article that asked Brock Purdy if he's going to be disappointed. Is he going to be upset if he disappoints Taylor Swift by winning the Super Bowl? Oh, God. Like, he gives it another thought? Come on, this is what he's done his whole career. This is... The pinnacle of a skirt. Look, I'm now a world champion. I really don't think it's ever even gonna enter in his mind that, hey, oh, I'm sorry, I beat Taylor Swift and she might be disappointed. But that's my bitch with the two weeks to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Is some of the questions that get asked just drive me crazy. Well, do you remember was it only one season? And I think it was this
0: century, because we're old, where they had the, the only one week between the championship game and the Super Bowl. And it was glorious. I loved it. It was much more compacted. And I don't know, did, did it was it only one year and there was an experiment? There was They'd never do it now because of player safety. But you remember that?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a couple of years. I, I do remember it. I liked it because we immediately prepared for it. Yeah. Here you go. And, you know, outside of the one week you get a bye week, you're used to playing every week. So, you know, we finished our game on Sunday. We're on to... Las Vegas and, and game plan, Bill Belichick style. And let's, you know, get it going and, and go on because, you know, and again, I, I know we're doing media here, but man, I get tired of people just trying to fish for a story and find someone who makes a mistake and answers something wrong so they can go and blow it up. It's just, you know, let them be.
0: Well, and, and, and okay, yes, there's that. And then there's there's the overtly stupid example you gave of Whether or not Brock Purdy is going to be upset if he disappoints Taylor Swift, which, by the way, I don't know how disappointed she's going to ultimately be at the outcome of the game. Uh, and then you've got then you've got just the the abstractly meaningless. Th- I mean, if I hear Brandon Ayuk get asked about this ladybug one more time, I, I have I, I, and 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 why Niners fans are wearing me, making fools of themselves wearing ladybugs. It's just they have to fill the time. I I, I get it. They're looking for bylines. But, but all this week preparing this show, Steve, I see so many things where I'm like. I'm not talking about that with Steve. I mean, we only get an hour a day.
1: Ladybugs? Seriously? Yeah, I'm glad we're not talking about ladybugs.
0: (laughs) All right. Actual game email from Jeremy. He gets right to it. He says, look, the Chiefs are winning this game with experience over firepower. The Niners have all this explosiveness on offense, but the Chiefs' experience in the Super Bowl gives them the advantage. Brock Purdy is only in his second year, and it will be his first Super Bowl uh, appearance. There are no nerves in any other game to match the level of nerves you get playing the Super Bowl. We're going to be breaking this down over the next two days, you and me, and going you know by offense and offense and defense and defense. But uh, this, this email from Jeremy does highlight something I brought up yesterday, that if Shanahan gets overly stubborn with establishing the run, which he's got to because the Chiefs' defense against the run is terrible, and he doesn't get Brock settled down early, I have the same concerns as Jeremy. I appreciate that he does acknowledge the Niners have – an embarrassment of weapons on offense that they should be able to use and exploit even against a decent Kansas City defense against everything against the rush. Uh, the experience thing, we've already covered. I, I did, Look, Patrick Mahomes will be more comfortable than Brock Purdy. He's still amped up and nervous. It's the Super Bowl. They're playing for back-to-back. I, I, I grant him, there's no way I can argue that he doesn't have more experience than Purdy. I don't know if he's overstated it, though, or not.
1: I agree though. You, you look at it. The Chiefs have the experience and both of the players and the coaching staff. I mean, Andy Reid's been here. He's won, you know, multiple Super Bowls. He's going for back-to-back. Those are tangibles that I give the edge to the Chiefs. Roster-wise, weapon-wise, I do believe the 49ers are a better team. If you're a 49ers fan, you just got to hope that Mahomes doesn't find that magic. And and the coaching staff for the Chiefs do not out-coach the 49ers because we watched the Chiefs out-coach the Ravens. They Mm -hmm. took the Ravens' game plan and shoved it down the Ravens' throats and beat them at their own game and totally knocked the Ravens back on their heels, and they never fully recovered. That kind of experience, if Shanahan plays stubborn, that wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs did that to the Niners.
0: Um, I wonder, too, about – this is some of this intangible stuff we've been talking. Yesterday – oh, it was the, uh, the, the uniforms. Do the, do the players care – you know that they're wearing like the Niners have to wear their road uniforms, and and because they're such a superstitious lot, you get all of these weird predictions out there for the Super Bowl. Some of them are just funny. Again, things we wouldn't bother with on the show. Whether a giraffe in a zoo in Omaha predicts the Niners or the Chiefs to win, I mean that's just goofy silliness. But I do wonder about one I, I, one thing in particular. A lot of these players are gamers, and a lot of them. Are into Madden. They love the Madden. They love playing themselves on Madden. They love when Madden comes out. There's the Madden curse. Oh my God, who's going to be on the box or I want to be on the box? The the you know, the Madden guys, the EA guys, they they simulate the game every year. They're right half the time. You might as well flip a coin to predict who's gonna win the Super Bowl. I wonder if it gets in the players' heads at all. Because today it was announced, or yesterday actually, they ran the simulation, Chiefs win. Last time Madden was right was when the Chiefs beat the Niners. They've actually been wrong the last three years, it's good smack talk. I mean, you know, you know, before the game, when they're on the field, there's going to be chiefs players saying to Niners players, I don't know why we're playing Madden already said we're going to win, but does it, does it get into players heads? Like the Niners, are there certain Niners you think that maybe game and go, Oh man. Oh man.
1: (laughs) I would hope it doesn't. I mean, these are professional athletes. We know the game is always determined on the field of play. It's not determined by rosters and on paper, that's why we play the game i i can see some people you know it it gets in their head and and if you're a good trash talker on the chiefs and and you come out and score early if you know there's a gamer on the 49ers i think i would absolutely mm-hmm. be in his ear you know saying stuff like that just to knock him off his game but you got to believe you know this is what their whole careers have been about you got to believe they're focused on that, and what happened on Madden doesn't have any effect.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of the lineman for the Chiefs saying, oh, just just like it happened on Madden. But what you hope the Niner player is thinking is, I want to prove that Madden's wrong, that it just didn't work out or or, or whatever. A couple of emails here. Uh, Bill wrote in. He's got this right. It's just kind of, I think, a sense of generationally what you remember and such. He said all the way through the 70s and 80s, it was one week between the championship games and the Super Bowl. They played the all-star, all-pro game a week after the Super Bowl. Then they went to two weeks for years. And that's kind of really what I remember. Those formative years of really getting into football. Uh, and then they went back to the one week a few years and then back to the two weeks. So that's the history of the uh, the hype weeks between the two. And uh, we got this email from Nick, which I agree with, RAD at radradio.com. Says, Nothing tickles me more than when Steve Mickelson, who never curses, uses the word bitch. It makes my day. I feel like every time Steve says the word bitch, an angel gets their wings. That is so true, Steve. Every time you say it, for me, it it makes my ears perk up. I'm like, did Steve just say the B word?
1: Uh, Yeah, it doesn't happen that often, but (laughs) on occasion, you know, you get me a little riled up, and these things come out.
0: (laughs) We'll have two more shows before the Super Bowl on Sunday. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., Steve.
1: Thank you. Minns. Sports Show.